I am angry. I'm both angry and thankful. And I think that'll make sense shortly. Jesus said these words. I've read it four weeks in a row, but I want you to hear it especially today. John 14 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that weren't so, what I've told you, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But if I go and prepare a place for you, <coughs> I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. That's a promise, and it's a personal promise. I told them in the, in the prayer room, I told them in the prayer room that there's, there's, there's two things that pastors are nervous about. At least this one is. I don't want to ever want to have someone sit in this church or watch us online and not be sure of their opportunity to find Christ. And if there's people watching us and sitting in this room that don't know the Lord, I... Man, I don't want you to leave without hearing the gospel message. And the other thing, I don't ever want Christians to leave doubting their salvation. And when you talk about things that we're going to talk about today, things like judgment and eternity, it's weighty and it's heavy. And listen, I'd much rather come up here and make you laugh and smile and give you something that's going... You know, I, it's obvious that from this altar response that people are, are, have heavy hearts and stuff going on in their lives. And, and I don't want to just throw something so weighty on you that that adds to that. But can I tell you, there's nothing you're dealing with today more important than what we're going to talk about. Nothing. There's no family circumstance. There's no financial need. There's no employment need. There's nothing more important than what we talk about today because all of that other stuff is going away. All of it. But eternity is a very, very, very long time. I said this the first week. And I wanted you to write it down because I want you to leave knowing this and remembering this and understanding this and to be reminded of this, that you and everyone you know, know will spend eternity somewhere. This life is a trial run. This life prepares you for the life to come. In fact, this life, you'll prepare yourself for the life that lasts much longer than this life. Do you know that almost every religion on the planet teaches that something happens after we die? And here's why. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God's made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. See, you know. That there's something after this. You just know because he's planted it in your heart. And if we know that eternity is real and he's planted that in our heart, why don't we live that way? 
Why don't we live like this 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years that we're on the planet is just a blip on the timeline of eternity? Why don't we live like that? I've shown you this timeline. It'll be up on the screen behind me. There's a, there's a sobering part of that timeline. Maybe you haven't even noticed it. But on the far right side of that timeline, there's a, two words that says eternal state. And there's an arrow. See, guess what? Tribulation lasts seven years, and it's over. Eternity. Lasts. For an eternity. So why? And, and if we believe what we've talked about over the last four weeks now, if we believe honestly what we talk about all the time in this room, that you and I and everyone we know will spend eternity in one of two places, either in the presence of God forever and forever and forever or forever separated from him. I'd love to be able to stand here and tell you that there's some middle ground. If you don't get it right in this life, that there's some other opportunity. But the Bible just doesn't teach that. We just don't talk about hell. <laughs> you know why? Because it's so stinking uncomfortable. Because it gives you that, that check in your heart and that gnawing in your gut. You don't like the idea of something as tormentous and horrendous as eternal separation and punishment. We don't, so we just don't talk about it. Can I prove that? Do a Google search on sermons about hell and then do one about sermons about prosperity not even close if hell isn't a reality then the gospel doesn't mean very much all Jesus has saved you from was yourself but not for an eternity if hell isn't a reality if hell isn't real, then your address and what you drive become far more important. So the reason for this series is simple. And this is why we're ending it the way we end it. Because how you view eternity changes how you live your life. How you view eternity changes the priority you place on relationships, it changes the priority you place on your church. It changes the priority of how you spend your money, of how you spend your time, of how you raise your children, of how you do your job, of how you live your life. Everything changes if eternity is genuinely in your heart. Everything changes. <laughs> Most people... According to a survey, and you know how those are, they don't matter much because we, we don't know. But according to the survey I read, most people in America believe in hell. <laughs> but one half of 1% of people believe they're going there. 
So we all believe that hell's real, but it's for somebody else. It's going, you know, it's for, it's for that dude in my job that has got on my last nerve. And it really isn't for most people. Most people are going to get in. Most people are going to get into heaven. That's what people believe. Most people are genuinely good and good at heart. So God wouldn't let a bunch of people, you know, go to a place called hell. You know, Jesus talked about hell twice as much as he talked about heaven. Here's what he said, so you don't take my word for it. Matthew chapter 7, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I read a book one time by a, one of my favorite authors. His name is Francis Chan. And he wrote a book called Erasing Hell. And he was talking about this cultural phenomenon that wants the church to believe that hell's not a reality. And he said, I'm typing this chapter in a Starbucks and I realize that people sitting around me will probably go to hell. And that was sobering. And please don't, don't read more into this and it's there. But oftentimes, I'll make an altar call or an appeal for salvation, and I'll wonder how many of these people in this room are going to hell. And it keeps me awake at night, and it hurts my heart, and it causes me to pick up these tissues, and, and it causes me uh, grief, and, and it, it, my heart hurts. <laughs> See, if... If the devil was smart, if the devil was smart, he'd convince you that hell wasn't real. If the devil was smart, he'd convince you that it's just really not that big of a deal. And that only the super bad people are going to go there. If the devil was smart, he'd convince you that God's a God of love and he wouldn't let good people go to hell anyway. See, if he can convince you of that, he could convince you that since hell's not that big a deal, it's okay for me to live however I want. It's okay for me to live for the right now, the here and now. It's, it's, if he can convince you of that, it's, he could convince you that sacrificing for the cause for Christ really isn't that big a deal. See, if he can convince you of that, then he can convince you that there's really no need for a fear of God. And he'd put eternity in the back of your mind. If the devil were smart, he'd convince you that worshiping together with others in the context of local church was optional. He'd convince you to be self-centered and narcissistic. And he'd convince you that sharing your faith is not that big of a deal. Maybe it turns out he's pretty smart after all. So what's hell like? I started to read every passage. Um, but I, can I tell you, y'all know I'm a crybaby anyway. There's no way I'd get through them. 
I studied them all. I heard there's one commentator that said that hell, and this is just sobering, is the land of no more good. So uh, if you want a picture of what hell may be like, I want you to imagine everything in your life today that has brought you pain. Every grief, every anxiety, every struggle, every physical pain, every emotional pain, every spiritual pain, every loss, every hurt, every grief, and that's hell forever. So what I, what I want to do over the next few moments is to help you understand the torments of hell and that you don't have to go there. Write this down. And that you'll understand that hell was never intended for you. Here's what Jesus said. He'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, that's who hell was prepared for. And I hear this all the time. I see it on social media. I'm just not going to serve a God that would let good people go to hell. <laughs> with, with all the love and compassion in my mind and in my heart, whether you choose to worship God doesn't change who He is. What you choose to do with the information I'm going to give you today or that you've heard all your life doesn't change who He is and it doesn't change the reality of eternity. What is hell? Listen, this, I, I, this is the part I got to get you to get today. That hell is a place, write this down, where people choose to pay for their own sin. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. How many believe God's a God of love? Yes? Yes. How many believe God is holy? Do you believe that? God can't be a God of love, and He can't be a God of holy, the God that's holy, unless He's also a God of justice. For the wages of sin is death. Somebody has to pay that price. And hell's a place where people choose to pay for their own sin. Why would a loving God send good people to hell? Y'all just going to have to forgive me for a minute because <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to explain this in a way that you and I both could grasp. And so I came up with this little story, and maybe I've heard it before, I don't know, but it's in my head and it's in my heart. And it's almost like a children's book. And so please don't judge me. Please don't be offended that I'm going to talk to you like, I'd be, like I was reading from a children's book. But I, will, you, will you just give me a little grace? And, and who knows, maybe one day this will be a, a Veggie Tales. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a story about Farmer Joe. Farmer Joe is kind and true. Farmer Joe built this beautiful farmhouse with lots of room 
and lots and lots of food. It's a big house. A big, big house. None of my 90s audio adrenaline people are in the room. Come on, a couple of y'all. I was like, I was like, good gracious, how old am I? Inside this farmhouse, there was a farmhand. His name was Bob. Bob got very jealous of Farmer Joe because all the people loved him. He got very jealous and he decided to break Farmer Joe's rules. So Farmer Joe made him leave. Because even though Farmer Joe is kind, he is also true. Farmer Joe is kind and true. And Bob broke the rules. So Bob had to leave. But when Bob left, he lied to all the people in the town. And he told them that he lied to them ab about Farmer Joe. And all, many of the townspeople began to hate Farmer Joe and wanted nothing to do with Farmer Joe or his farmhouse. But there were still some that loved Farmer Joe and, and wanted to live on the farm with Farmer Joe. And so in order to keep... Bob and all the people that hated him out of this, out of the farmhouse, Farmer Joe built a moat all the way around his, his land and put a drawbridge across the moat. Drawbridge is on a main road, so if someone could follow all the right rules and prove they were part of jo Farmer Joe's family and that they loved Farmer Joe, once a year the drawbridge would come down and let people cross because... Farmer Joe is kind and true. And after many years, Farmer Joe decided that the drawbridge wasn't good enough. So he, said, he asked his only son. We'll call him Josh. To build a new bridge on a narrow road instead of on the main road. Sadly, Building that bridge cost Josh his life. There's a sign on the new bridge that says anyone who crosses this bridge must agree to love Farmer Joe and to love everyone else. And by choosing this bridge, you acknowledge that Josh gave his life to build this bridge. And Farmer Joe asked one thing of those people that were crossing the bridge. He said, would you please go back to the main road and put up signs and tell people everywhere that there's another bridge. They can cross and live with me forever and forever. That there's a better bridge down the narrow road. And many, many Many didn't want to get off the wide road because they couldn't carry as much of their stuff on the narrow road. So many people, sadly, still fell in the moat because they chose their own way instead of Farmer Joe's. And my question is, did Farmer Joe send those people into the moat? He did everything he could to make sure they had a way not to go there.
God's not sending anybody to hell. We were born already on our way. There's none good. There's none righteous. No, not one. So before you, in our arrogance, point a finger at God and said, how could you send good people to hell? The truth is, there aren't any good people. Everyone in this room is prone to sin. You never had to teach your children how to be selfish or how to lie. It is in their nature. If we want to compare ourselves to Hitler and go, compared to him, I'm really good. Well, stop and then start comparing yourself to Jesus. Because compared to him, we are all hopelessly and desperately evil. Jesus tried to explain what it looked like in Luke 16. He said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple. Now, let me, t let me just give you a little theology fun. This isn't a parable. Jesus spoke in parables all the time. And when he introduced a, a parable, he would say something like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Right? You've heard that? Kingdom. That's not what he said here. He said, there was a certain rich man. I believe this is a true story. That it happened just like he quotes it. Like he tells the story. There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And at his gate, a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. So Lazarus lived in poverty. The rich man lived in luxury. Many people would read that story and go, man, I'd like to be like the rich man. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. And there in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. Abraham said, Son, remember that during your lifetime. God, I don't, I don't want to hear those words. And I don't want you to hear those words. Remember in your lifetime when you heard sermon after sermon after sermon? You remember in your lifetime when you had opportunity after opportunity to, to, to love Jesus and to live your life for him? Remember in your lifetime? And, and, and the sad part is that you'll be able to remember in that tormentous place all of those opportunities you had when you, you had heard some that snot-nosed cre preacher just cry and scream that this is all real. Oh, God, help us. Remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted and you are in anguish. And then, listen, this is, this is the part that just breaks your heart. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross to you from here. No one can cross from us to from, from there. See, I, uh, it, if you read this story, 
Jesus is talking about a place that's, that's not just physically painful. The, the greatest hurt may be the separation from your creator. <laughs> See, God doesn't send good people to hell. The heart is wicked. And it needs to be, it needs to be fixed. And the only way that we can fix it is by crossing that bridge. Because our God, just like Farmer Joe, is kind and true. Because he's true, our sin and our evil must be punished. But because because he's kind, he sent his son to build a brand new bridge. Father, thank you that in our depravity, in our wickedness, and in our evil, you saw fit to send your son to build a bridge from where we are to where you are. Father, if we've ever taken that gracious gift for granted, if we've ever taking, taken eternity lightly, forgive us today. And help, uh, help us live our lives in full response to a God who loved us enough to send his son to build a bridge. And help us live our lives in full response <laughs> to eternity. Can we talk about heaven now? Yes, Donna said, yes, please. First thing I want you to write down is that heaven is indescribable. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine says, that's what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to read you the words to a song. It's not a very popular song. I'll tell you how I came across this song. See, a long time ago in a land far away, <laughs> if you wanted music, you had to go into a store and purchase it. And you know, for the most part, you didn't purchase one song at a time. You could way back in a land way far away. But you, you bought your music, oddly enough, on these discs or tapes. Or little bitty discs. One time I walked into a store and I bought a CD because I wanted one song. But because I wanted the one song, I had to buy the whole disc. Now, some of you may be my age and remember 8-tracks. <laughs> and if you wanted to hear another song on 8-track, you had to ride around your neighborhood until it just came all the way back around. <laughs> there was no rewind. There was no, none of that. But this song was on this disc, and it, it's, it's always been one of my very favorite songs, and it's about heaven. And I remember riding around in my vehicle and singing this song at the top of my lungs because I was in love with Jesus, and I wanted to go see him. 
So I'm going to read what heaven might be like from the words of this song. You want to guess what the name of the song is? Heaven. Heaven is real creative. (laughs) Friends that don't leave you. Smiles that don't fade. Nobody's hurting. No one's afraid. No hungry children. Loved ones don't die. No sad farewells. There'll be no more goodbyes. Windows of glory swing open wide. Shower down blessings, shine down a light on my soul. I do believe. Oh, can't you see? That's what heaven will be. Imagine everything in life that brings you peace. That's what heaven will be. (laughs) Write this down. Before, before you write this down, you know, a, a lot of times we talk about heaven and we want to talk about the architecture. Gates of pearl. Walls of jasper, streets of gold. The crystal sea. That's cool, isn't it? In, in God's economy, it's like concrete, two by four, sheetrock. Write this down. Heaven is not about the what. Heaven is about the who. (laughs) I I love this discourse of of Jesus is on the cross and there's two thieves on either side of him. One thief on either side of him. And here's what Jesus says to the one thief. I assure you, this is Luke chapter 23. Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that cool? You notice what's not there? The thief didn't go, hey, wait a minute. Uh, before we do that, can you tell me what my accommodations are going to be like? Can you, can you tell me what kind of house I'm going to have? Can you tell me, you know, what I'm going to be doing? Can you tell me a little bit more about what this paradise place is? Nope, he didn't say that. Do you know why? Because he was desperate and dying, and he wasn't so much concerned about the what. He just knew he had met the one he wanted to spend the rest of his life, his eternity with, and he was hanging on a cross beside him. So can I tell you, the glory of heaven is not all of that other architecture. The glory of heaven is that one day you and I will be able to look eyeball to eyeball, face to face with the bridge builder and thank him for his goodness and thank him for his love and thank him for saving us when we didn't deserve it. Eyeball to eyeball. See, that's what heaven will be. Can can I tell you something in in fear of, of offending you? If that doesn't thrill you, you, if If that doesn't thrill you, I I need you to respond to an altar call. I'm I'm not playing. If the joy of what Christ has done for you isn't paramount in your decision to want to seek to go to heaven it, there's something wrong if it if we're just going there so we can have a mansion and we can fly around and do all the i don't even know that that's going to happen if that's our only joy, joy of heaven then something's wrong I'm 
I'm sorry. I know this is gross. No, I'm just, I'm studying for this. And sometimes when I study, I'm down in, some of y'all been in my house, and I got this little office downstairs with no windows, and I can go down there and I can get real quiet. And sometimes I sit on my couch up in my living room and look out the window in my backyard and just, and just, and I sat there one day and just cried. I know that you find that hard to believe. And I think I was crying because the reality of what I'm telling you was weighing so heavy on my heart. Is that you and I will get a choice and have a choice of where we're going to spend eternity. And, and listen, if, if you're following Christ, y- y'all know I, 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 don't, I don't like to come off as judgmental and finger pointy. But if you're following Christ for any other reason than the truth that he built a bridge, something's wrong. I just gave you this, but write this down. Where you spend eternity is a choice. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, come to me, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. He said, come to me, take my yoke, let me teach you. All of those are choices. I've told you guys about my grandmother who was maybe... Aside from my wife, the most godly woman I've ever known. And, and there, was this, there was this picture on her wall. I told you about the, uh, another picture she had. This is a different one than the one I told you about a couple weeks ago. It was this picture of Jesus, and he's knocking on a door. And I, I didn't understand. At eight, you know, you're like, all right, what's Jesus doing? You know, because he was, he was the traditional Jesus standing there, you know, pale skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, because that's what Jesus would have looked like. <laughs> Jesus is knocking on the door, and I'm like, Mama, like, what? I don't understand. What's, what's the deal? And he said, and she said, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, Dwayne, and he's knocking because he's a gentleman. He wants to come in and he wants to live with you and he wants to he wants to be with you and he wants to lead and guide and direct your life and told me the whole story and I was like man that's I can get behind that that's and she said but there's something I need you to notice about that picture and I'm like it's a door everything kind of follows you when you move it's you know it's one of those you know you you move it and everything moves she said, look closer. And I said, I, said, I, I, don't, I don't see it. What, what is it you're trying to get me to see, Mama Life? And she said, there's no doorknob on the outside. So if Jesus is going to come in your heart, you've got to make a choice. 
to open a door. And I know that a sermon like this raises all kinds of questions. What about somebody that never hears the story of Jesus? What about somebody in a third world country that, that's never heard the gospel? And those are all great questions. And, and, and I'll try to answer them the best I can, not in this moment, but, it, you know, call me. We'll chat. But listen to me. That's not you. Everybody in this room has heard the gospel. Everybody watching me online has heard the gospel. And you've got a choice. And, and I believe this with all my, all my heart. And I don't know how it works out in the grand scheme of things because I'm not God and aren't you glad? First of all, nobody goes to heaven without receiving the gift of salvation. Nobody goes to heaven without crossing that bridge. You with me? Nobody goes to hell without rejecting it. There's this passage in the Old Testament that says, I'm standing before you and I'm giving you a choice, life or death. I want you to choose life. So here's my, my great hope for this, this series and especially this message. Is that if you're in the room, you're watching online. And you're not sure what that arrow looks like on the other side of eternity. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to try to, quote, unquote, scare the hell out of you. I'm just trying to be very, I've just tried to tell you what the Bible says. That, that today, you would, you would make a choice to follow Jesus. That you'd make a choice to cross the bridge that he gave his life for, by the way. And aren't you glad? Yeah. Or maybe and that you leave here. If, if you're here and you know that, you're, that your home's in heaven and that your eternity's secure, oh my God, please leave here with an urgency. Because everyone you know will spend eternity somewhere. So, why aren't we talking about it? Don, would you come and play? So, I want to pray for two things. And I want as many of you, and, and oftentimes I don't call you down here, but I'm going on today. And I'm, I'm going to call you down here for two reasons. First of all, I'm going to call you down here if you're here and you're not sure of where you're going to spend eternity. If that's you and you want to be sure today, and I want you to come down here in just a moment. And here's the other people I want to come. And I, I hope it's all of you. Because somebody you care about, somebody in your family, somebody in your, in your friend circle, somebody you work with, 
somebody you live next door to, that it would take you no time to come up with a name of somebody that probably isn't going to heaven. I'm not asking you to judge anybody. But if you had to venture a guess, you'd say that that person's probably not going to heaven. I wonder, have you prayed for them? Have you asked God to help you be salt and light in their world? Have you asked God to shine the light of the gospel on their life through your words? See, it, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but if that's the case, then then that proves there's no urgency. So what I want you to do is, in just a moment, I want you to come down here with somebody's name in your mind, and we're going to pray for them. And we're going to ask God to reveal Himself to somebody you care about. Before we do that, I just want you to bow your heads. And I want you to use your words to worship Jesus for building the bridge that you couldn't build. Paying a debt that you couldn't pay. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with nobody looking around, I know preachers say that all the time, and everybody cheats. I'm going to ask you not to today. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I'm just not sure, but I want to be. If you're not sure where you'd spend eternity and you want to make sure that you'd spend eternity with Jesus. Spend eternity in heaven. Spend eternity with your heavenly Father. I want you to very quickly just slip your hand up in the air. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your honesty. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up here. And here's what's going to happen. I'm telling you already. You slipped your hand up. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. These voices are going to pop in your head. You don't need to walk up there. People will think something. I'm going to tell you to, to shove those voices back to hell where they came from. Because I believe with, if you'll step out of your seat in just a moment by faith, God will meet you here. You've got to do something unique and powerful in your life. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of people today. So here's what I want you to do. You said, Dwayne, I'm not sure, but I want to be. I want you to right now, without thinking, without hesitation, I want you to get out of your seat and, and meet me down here. Don't wait. Just do it. Just do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Maybe you're here and there's somebody in your heart, somebody on your mind that you are quite sure are going to heaven. If that's you and you know somebody, put your hand in the air quickly. I want you to come down here and we're going to gather around. We're going to pray for them. Come quickly. Let's not play games. Just come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for those of you that walk down this to this altar and you're just not sure, or, or maybe you said, Dwayne, I, I, I just couldn't. I want you to hear my heart. I'm going to give you a prayer. And I very rarely do this, but I'm, I'm going to give you a prayer. And I want you to re repeat this prayer, but you've got to mean it. It's got to be your words, okay? They can be my words, but it's got to be your, you know, what's in your heart. And because you're in a church that loves you, here's what we're going to do. Everybody in this room is going to repeat this prayer out loud. And, and, and by doing that, we're, we're just saying, hey, we're with you. We've been there. So everybody in the room, unashamedly repeat this. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he built a bridge. Forgive me of my sin. Your blood paid for my sin. I turn from my sin and receive the gift of your salvation. I want to live for you, and I want to live with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name, I receive your gift. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a child of the King. My home is in heaven. My eternity is secure. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, somebody ought to praise the Lord. Amen. Now, oh, and we can't, we can't leave yet because here's what we have to do. The, that person who's on your mind, in your heart, oh, what, what's going to happen if we don't pray for them? What's going to happen if we don't share the love of God with them? What will happen if we don't get uncomfortable enough to share our faith with a world that's dying? What will happen? They'll fall in the moat, but we got to tell them about the new bridge. His name's Jesus, and it's on you, and it's on me. So I, I want you to get that name in your mind. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, we lift up family and friends who don't know you. We lift up family and friends and coworkers. <laughs> yeah, call their name out loud. <laughs> we lift up family and friends and coworkers and neighbors. God, we believe that you're able and more than able to interrupt their life, to draw them to yourself. And God, here's the dangerous prayer. Use us. Use us to witness, to share the love of Christ with the lost and dying world. God, do what only you could do. Oh, Jesus.
God, I pray for my neighborhood. God, I pray you use me to be a greater light to those that live a stone's throw from my house. God, I pray for this neighborhood, for, for families that live on this road. God, use us to reach them. God, I pray for those at the repairs of the breach, those, those folks where we went and fed them. But God, help us to give them more than a sandwich. Help us to give them the light of Christ. In Jesus' name. God, I believe, God, that there are family members on the lips of those here. And, and, and we've laid awake at night. But God, you are able to do what we cannot. And by the power of your Spirit, would you arrest them, draw them close, reveal yourself to them as only you can. And God, heaven and eternity will reveal the work that you've done as a result of this prayer today. We count it done in Jesus' name. And we give you praise and honor and glory forever and forever and forever. You really ought to worship the Lord today. Amen. Amen.